when somebody comes in and they're saying, this is why I'm here, of course we want to address that. Um, but on the other hand, what, what were those steps? What were those causes that got that person in that situation in the first place? Right. You know, we, we talk about uh, a lot of chronic conditions, right? We see a lot of Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, long COVID now. Right. So we, we might, we might know those, those, you know, here's the initial cause, but peeling back those layers, how far can we step back and how do we guide you back to that? Uh, I, I don't want to say previous because your body is going to change, but how do we get you back to the optimal state that we can get you to? Get to the Root of It is a podcast for the curious health seekers hoping to figure out the root causes of symptoms in order to live a happier and healthier life. We look through the lens of functional and integrative medicine, occupational therapy, yoga, health coaching, and environmental wellness in hopes of sharing valuable ideas that may help someone in some way. We will take deep dives into root causes of autoimmunity and all types of dementia and cognitive decline in order to increase our understanding so that we can reduce our risk and optimize health for ourselves and our loved ones. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical care. We recommend speaking to your own practitioner with any medical questions or health concerns. Hello, welcome to Get to the Root of It. I am Laurel Brennan, and I'm very excited to be here with Dr. Tom Ingenio. Welcome, Dr. Tom. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Laurel. So I'm going to read his bio because it gives you a little background about him, and he's a pretty cool guy. So uh, Dr. Tom has more than 22 years of experience in the integrative and functional medicine space. He owns and operates Charm City Integrative Health a multifaceted clinic that New York Times bestseller and futurist David Houle called The Future of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. This clinic provides a multidimensional approach to reducing inflammation, improving circulation, and regulating the immune system. Tom has taught at two prestigious schools for East Asian medicine, is a published author, and has helped expand the scope of the practice of acupuncture with his role as chairman of the Maryland State Board of Acupuncture. He served as director of a chain of wellness centers in the Mid-Atlantic, developing treatment protocols and managing practitioners. Dr. Tom has been featured in both consumer and professional media, spreading his message of health using modern research, traditional practices, and humor to make complex theories and treatments understandable. His professional passion is to help patients and like-minded practitioners develop no-nonsense practices to allow people to thrive. And I'm very happy to be one of those like-minded practitioners benefiting from his genius. So welcome, Dr. Uh, Tom. Uh, thank you. Genius is a, is a strong word there. Yes. I didn't invent anything. I just managed to stitch some stuff together. Well, <laughs> I'm excited about our conversation. <clears throat> so we've met before, but I mm -hmm. don't really know your story. What got you into acupuncture? The, in the first place. Oh, it, this is, this is, oh my God. I, I actually was talking to my wife last night and had a little crying session because a memory came up. Um, but it, it, and, and that's related to this. Um, but my, my grandfather was a pharmacist, you know, I come from a, a, a pretty much, you know, my father, myself and, and my grandfather were all self-employed. Uh, my grandfather one day I, when I was helping out in his pharmacy was counting out pills 
And, you know, this old school before they had the computer doing it all. And, you know, everything was just dumped into the bottle. So you take it from the master bottle, you put it in a little tray, you count out how many, and you put it into the prescription bottle. And he looks at me after counting them out and he goes, you know, this guy is a, you know, a day laborer. He's probably making 40, 50 bucks a day. And these pills are five bucks a piece. He's got to take three a day for the rest of his life. You know, uh, and then he looked at me and uh, said, there's got to be a better way. And uh, you you better find it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, well, I, I kind of forgot about that until I got to college. I was all geared up. I was pre-med um, doing those core biosciences and get my teeth kicked in with like biochem classes and stuff like that. And uh, I took a Tai Chi class and an Eastern philosophy class, and it really kind of bent things. And then uh, through a course of what I'll call serendipitous events, uh, I ended up back at my parents uh, going pre-med through uh, what would be a funnel into a DO program. And uh, a little postcard in the mail came from an acupuncture school. And two weeks later, after that open house, I was enrolled in the acupuncture school and never looked back. Wow. Yeah. So it, it landed in your lap. But uh, there yeah. Were, there were some <laughs> previous events that kept your mind open it, to it. A bunch of little seeds were planted and it, yeah. it kind of bloomed. Yeah. So I'm curious, your definition, or if you can help me understand the difference between and the similarities between mm -hmm. Chinese medicine, integrative medicine, functional medicine. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're all these buzzwords, right? When years ago, I used to have a clinic that we used the word wellness, right? And it became so diffuse. It became so, well, is that a mud wrap? Is that a clinical psychology? Is that, you know, like a detox clinic where you go for like your methadone? all everybody's using it right and uh certainly these these are all kind of buzzwords that are that keep coming up and even chinese medicine is kind of limiting right so a lot of us prefer east asian medicine we we're moving away from the word oriental uh because of negative connotations um but you know so east asian medicine which is the the basket i would say was was the the primary source uh much much like what you're what you know this whole show is about is is finding the root how far back can we go to find that initial cause of that disease or that disturbance and shift everything uh so everything after that gets this cascade effect and starts working better right and certainly if we knew how to flip that switch on everybody we'd be doing it by now but uh how can we make the body run as optimally as possible given the situation that a person is in Right. You know, we, we don't have a way to shut off certain genes or we don't have a way to, you, you know, regrow limbs just quite yet. I mean, I believe we're getting there. And I, I think and I'm hopeful in my lifetime, I'll actually see some of that crazy stuff. Uh, the word functional medicine uh, or the term functional medicine really is in that same vein. When I was doing my doctorate, I had a colleague that was swearing up and down that functional medicine came from East Asian medicine. The idea was how far back down that chain can we go? And there's a similarity there. Now, with functional medicine, we're looking more for uh, what I call modern interventions, uh, gene therapy, hormone therapy, uh, you know, prescriptive drugs uh, and surgery, even in some cases. Uh, and then integrative is really this this world where how do we get it all to play together? How is it, you know, the old uh, improv statement of yes and 
rather than this or that, right? I mean, when I was uh, in school, there was a lot of practitioners that were like, well, you got to do this and you can't do anything else, right? Like, you know, the, you're you're either doing Eastern medicine or or you're or you're just you know you can't get vaccines, you can't take drugs, you can't do no no no, and and that was never you know Chinese medicine's impetus either, right? I mean, if we even look at uh, you know traditional East Asian medicine, they have herbs from the Middle East, they have herbs from Russia, they have herbs from America, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and certainly if you look at the scope of Chinese practitioners doing. Uh, East Asian medicine, uh, some of them are doing a little bit of surgery. Some of them are doing things that don't sound like what my scope is here, but they'll swear up and down that it's, that it is part and parcel of acupuncture and East Asian medicine. So integrative is really, how do you tie it all together? Uh, and, and trying to get the synergistic effect for patients, right? Yes. And is, is what I'm saying there. Right. So I, it, it is my understanding that Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who's kind of the, the father of functional medicine, did take East Asian medicine and yeah. kind of blend it with the modern allopathic Western medicine and, you know, integrated the two. And and, and I would, I you know, I mean, it, it makes sense to me, right? Yeah. You know, when somebody comes in and they're saying, this is why I'm here, of course, we want to address that. Um, but on the other hand, what what were those steps? What were those causes that got that person in that situation in the first place? Right. You know, we, we talk about uh, a lot of chronic conditions, right? We see a lot of Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, long COVID now. Mm -hmm. Right. So we, we, we might, we might know those, those, you know, here's the initial cause, but peeling back those layers, how far can we step back and how do we guide you back to that? Uh, I, I don't want to say previous because your body is going to change. But how do we get you back to the optimal state that we can get you to? Right. So if somebody comes in to see you at Charm City Integrative Health, what's the process? Because I know you have a lot more there than <laughs> yeah. just, just acupuncture needles. Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. And in my head, every service we have sounds like Oriental medicine. And and when you read my bio, which uh, will be on the back of my <laughs> my second book, um, it, it it's the idea is how do, does the patient's symptoms match what we offer, right? You know, the idea is not to jam a patient into a, like a, into like this, you know, this is your box and here's where you stay. But we, we look at it and this is a new buzzword that I think you'll start hearing more. And, and certainly they've been using it in, in the healthcare profession for, for a long time now, but evidence-based, right? So that evidence-based, right? We look at it as, are these big studies? Um, big studies are important. We want those, but what are the patient's desires and needs? What is the practitioner's experience? So when somebody comes in and if they look at our list of, I think it's about 15 different therapies that we offer and they don't know where they want to start, they normally do a consultation with us. And we sit down, we talk to them about everything that's going on with them. And we say, okay, for this, your best time and energy spent will be here. Now, how fast or how slow you want to go, it might be five or six different things that you're doing when you come in, uh, or it may just be one. Um, we do offer people the ability to come in a la carte. We don't want to over control, but at the same time, we are there to guide them through that. You know, hey, this is what I think. 
Um, and so far, I got to say, after COVID hit uh, and, and we reopened, people really started to get that. People understood that they needed to uh, invest time uh, in their health. And it's not just that snapshot that you get when you go to your primary and you get your bloods and your physical and they take your blood pressure. You know, what can I do to keep myself up and running? Much like going to the gym. Right. Right. So what do you offer? What, what kind of- <laughs> This is always where I got to go like, and I sit there and I think and I count. Uh, so like I said, acupuncture and oriental medicine is our first, uh, our first love. Uh, so acupuncture, cupping, uh, moxibustion, which is an herb that we burn on or near the skin. That's all part and parcel. Uh, gua sha is a therapy where we actually scrape uh, the skin for certain uh, myofascial diseases, uh, you know, chest colds, those kind of things. Uh, we offer several different types of therapeutic massage. Um, and then we kind of move into this other realm, right? We have a company that comes in and does IV nutrition, which is a big buzzword. Uh, I love that company. Uh, they work really well with us. Um, we offer whole body cryotherapy, uh, which is the chamber where you get into a liquid nitrogen <laughs> cooled chamber for up to three minutes. We have local cryotherapy. If somebody just wants one joint or one area of their body exposed without getting into the tube. Uh, we have salt therapy, which is for respiratory health, which uh, mimics what happens when you go into a salt cave or a salt room. Uh, we've recently added a cold plunge, which, in my opinion, is 10,000 times worse than the cryotherapy, even though it's, you know, 34 degrees instead of negative uh, 256 or something like that. We have red light therapy. We have... Uh, uh, infrared sauna therapy. And of course we have LIVO2, which is exercise with oxygen therapy, which I know we're going to talk about a bit. Nice. Yeah. So that is how I actually first found you. Yeah. I was kind of researching um, exercise with oxygen therapy. I had already been familiar with hyperbaric oxygen. Mm -hmm. And um, this was before I applied for that BG&E grant. I was just sort of investigating what would I do next if I moved out of a virtual practice and into a physical space, what would I want to offer? Yeah. And LIVO2 came up and yeah. I had never experienced it. And you were kind enough to let me give it a try and, and very generous with your, your time and space. And so can you talk a little bit about why you chose that as a, as an offering? Yeah. So, so I, before we had the LIVO2, I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. We did have hyperbaric. And uh, the hyperbaric units I was trying to buy are, uh, you know, the whole the whole thing is a little awkward. Uh, one, you need a prescription for it. Uh, so every practitioner that has it uh, has to get a prescription for hyperbaric, even if they have prescriptive rights, which is a little odd. Uh, and I conferred that I confirmed this with a functional medicine MD that I know. So, you know, they write you a script, they send it to you. Uh, in America, they can only do 1.3 atmospheres, and uh, that's about 15 feet under underwater because they, you know, this is the pressure. The hyper is more, and barrack is pressure, mm -hmm. right? So you get this 15-foot uh, dive, if you will. Uh, the rest of the world's 1.5, which is closer to 20, 25 feet underwater. That means that you're forcing more oxygen into the liquid part of the blood. Uh, the units that we bought were bigger than the standard unit that most people would have for home. 
Now, what was untold to me at that time is the reason they're all 23 inches wide and feel like a little uh, round coffin, if you will, when you get in is because that's the most stable structure. <laughs> You start making them bigger and more accessible for people. You start having things like zippers fail and seams break and it's loud and scary, but no one's really going to get hurt. Um, so we were, we were running people through it and the zipper failed several times. Uh, and on top of that being loud and scary, uh, there was a, let's say a barrier to obtaining full benefit, right? To use hyperbaric, you get about 30% oxygen in the serum of your blood. Your hemoglobin is going to be about 98 to 100%. We're all walking around unless you have emphysema or respiratory disorder. You should be, you know, 97 to 100% saturated on your red blood cells. So no more oxygen can fit on that, but more can fit into that serum, the liquid part of the blood. Um, with hyperbaric, you need to do it daily. So you needed to be in my office five to seven days a week for an hour. That's not really a convenient time frame for people. The other thing, uh, you know, it's a huge commitment. And certainly if you're chronically ill, now you have to add on the mobility, getting down to my office and using it during my office hours. And chances are you're trying to work and live your own goddamn life too. Uh, the other thing was I couldn't charge enough to run it six days a week for somebody without them having to invest a considerable amount of money. And when I did the calculations, it made more sense for me to pass on a company that would rent one to you for a couple of months and you do it intensively at home. It's much more convenient. Uh, you, you, I mean, you want to do it at 2 a.m.? Who, who cares? You can do it. You want to sleep in it? Yeah, sure. Uh, but it didn't make sense. Uh, financially, it didn't make sense, uh, looking out in the patient's best interest for me to keep doing the hyperbaric and other people say, no, that's not it. I'll let them do that. I'm not trying to fight with them. Uh, Livo two came along and said, well, in, uh, two to three times a week for 15 to 20 minutes, we can get serum oxygen levels up to 433%. Uh, so <laughs> that's, uh, 433 versus 30. Now, yes, that person that's getting the 433% has to be, uh, really sprinting on whatever piece of exercise equipment, but it, it is not unattainable. You do not have to be an Olympic level athlete to get that. And even if you got less than 433, you were certainly getting more than 30. The other thing that those studies showed was that that oxygen is sitting in the blood for up to three days. That means that now you don't have to be at my office six days a week for an hour. You can come to my office two to three times a week for 15 to 20 minutes, uh, which is much more manageable for people. And most of my patients actually are in the office at least once or twice a week. So we could actually offer somebody something that had real value that they could feel Um we could charge an appropriate amount where they weren't feeling like it was too expensive and we could actually deliver on those services. You know, people would come in and do one hyperbaric and they'd leave feeling pretty relaxed and go, okay, that's great. And it's like, yeah, you just bathe your brain in a little extra oxygen for a few hours. And this, we can actually see substantial results with chronic illness, uh, TBIs and those kind of things. And, and, and that's kind of, that's, that's really nice to see, you know, when we have people using it, uh, I, we have one guy that the second we got it, I think he's been in twice a week since we got it in 2018, you know? Uh, so he, he's really been loyal and using it post TBI and he's got no symptoms. 
he could probably stop, but he just likes it so much. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you, you describe this one person and his response to it. Yeah. In general, what is the, the response? So it, it, it's pretty funny. Um, when I bought this uh, machine, when I first called, one of their sales reps was actually another acupuncturist. So we got to nerd out on two different levels there. Uh, I, there, there is a, a huge, uh, you, you know, you're, you're working out about as hard as you can, and this can all be modified, which is another thing that I really like. If it's, if it's somebody that has mobility issues, they don't need to get on a bike, right? You know, I mean, if you had a little like hand bike, they could sit there and do it. They don't have mm -hmm. to run on a treadmill. Um, you know, I had a mom that, you know, if she comes in, we're going to get a little bouncy trampoline so her kid can just bounce on that for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but within that, the idea is, uh, you know, people feel, uh, one, a little bit more relaxed after the workout. That's that excess oxygen actually really allowing their cells to have as much oxygen as it needs. Um, little areas that have microcapillaries can't fit red blood cells in. So we're, we're counting on that free oxygen in the blood to hit those tissues. Um, and when you're not you know, vasodilating when you're not moving around and a lot of people with chronic conditions can't get that, they can't flush that tissue out and get that oxygen in there. So there's also a little bit of a detox. You know, we've had a couple of people that have come in uh, chronic infections, uh, Lyme especially, mm -hmm. where they get a Herxheimer reaction after. And, you know, we warn people of that. Uh, and Herxheimer reactions, for those who don't know, are, uh, they can be pretty rough. Uh, your joints ache, you can sweat, you can feel nauseous, you can feel exhausted. Uh, it feels kind of flu-like. Um, in a lot of ways, it is considered a positive sign if it's not too strong that it knocks you out um, because you're flushing out your body, you're detoxing. Uh, and I don't like that word, except you actually are. Uh, you know, the oxygen is going to kill certain bacteria. Uh, it's going to, like I said, nourish the tissue that oxygen is needed by the mitochondria in every cell to make more ATP. So it's actually going to make more cellular energy. Um you know, you're going to oxidize bad tissue. You can kind of kill dead, bad old cells and stuff with that too. And it's, it's, it's kind of amazing to see. So the, the, the effects that people feel, uh, a lot of them say, I just feel better. Um, talking to the guy that sold me the unit, it was pretty interesting because he was even saying things like people with heavy metal toxicity and stuff like that. When they sweat, their sweat's a different color. Uh, I have not experienced oh. that, uh, and I'm not making that claim, but uh, the company certainly stood behind it. Um, I don't know what you would have to be exposed to to have that sitting in your bloodstream like that, but it it's plausible. <laughs> I'll give it that. Um, but yeah, there's also this uh, really deep relaxation that people report too, because that excess oxygen just calms down the whole central nervous system or autonomic nervous system, I should say. Right. So in, in my experience, um, I have a history of chronic Lyme mm -hmm. and a history of extended mold exposure yeah. and I have MS. So I was instructed, you know, go slow, listen to your body. And, and I, I like that direction. So I did just the high oxygen. Yeah. At just, just, I was on a recumbent bike, just pedaling. And it takes a moment to get used to this mask on your face. Yeah. So, you know, just having something on your face for a minute, actually made me a little anxious but after a couple of minutes into it i was like oh no i'm okay with this thing on my face 
and now I, I feel fine. So I'm going to pedal a little harder and see how I do if I really push it a little bit more. And then it wasn't until the end that I started to use the, the high altitude, the lower yeah. oxygen. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So this is, this is kind of, this is kind of brilliant, right? And they call, I think they call it adaptive or contrast uh, therapy there, right? And this is really uh, the benefit of that because, you know, breathing pure oxygen is great, but really getting it into your body uh, rather than squeezing it in with hyperbaric. Uh, we're doing, uh, and, and even that I'll, I'll mention even hyperbaric, we had a lot of people that were claustrophobic, you know, so there's always mm -hmm. a little bit of a hurdle with, with either service. Uh, and I think the mask is a little easier because you can just grab it and take it off if you really needed to. But <clears throat> with, with the contrast, somebody figured out that on the oxygen concentrators, and this is the same one grandma has at home, if she has COPD or emphysema or something, uh, pumping, you know, 99% pure oxygen right into a nasal cannula that you can inhale. So that fills up the big part of the bag. There's this little cutout that somebody figured out that the exhaust from the oxygen concentrator comes out at high altitude air, which is about 14% oxygen. So when you flip that switch that you were talking about, we're shutting the valve to the pure oxygen and we're inhaling the high altitude air, the 14% oxygen. Right. And this is a really cool and a really savvy. I mean, you know, the bag's low tech. It's a it's a mechanical switch, you know, but uh, I don't want to knock it saying it's low tech because it's it's pretty genius in its application. But being able to get this pure uh, or high altitude air, it tricks your body right now. I'm sprinting and I'm losing oxygen. Right. So our red blood cells start to drop and we put pulse oximeters on people sometimes. Uh, the problem is if they're really pumping hard. Uh, it bounces and it can't read. Uh, or if people have fingernail, like their, their nail polish on, <laughs> uh, it won't read it so well. Um, but what you'll see is you'll see that that serum oxygen drop, you know, or that uh, not serum oxygen, the red blood cell oxygen drop. It'll go from like, you know, 98 healthy to like, I can get it down to 80s on me, low 80s, right? Mm -hmm. You won't pass out. You won't get dizzy. Um, but what that does is it changes the pH of the blood. There's a physiological response. Oh, crap, I'm losing oxygen. So you'll start off-gassing CO2 uh, more effectively. And the funny thing is CO2 is toxic to us. Uh, everybody that's doing breath work is actually increasing the CO2 to have that altered state, uh, which is kind of yeah, – that's cool. That's awesome. We can talk about that another time. But uh, what it does is it triggers your body to want to absorb more oxygen, right? Like, oh, I need it in. So when you recover from that sprint, you go back to the pure oxygen. Not only do you saturate those red blood cells really quick, you start absorbing it into the liquid part of your blood. And the cool thing about this is, and this is why we do multi-stage sprints, we can double and triple up on that, right? So that first, that first recovery is going to pull some in. And then the next sprint is going to strip the red blood cells, but there's still going to be some in the oxygen. And then we stop uh, in the liquid part. And then we stockpile that again. And then we stockpile that again. So that's where we can really get this kind of crazy high number. Now, we also bought uh, something called a Carol bike. Uh, and and it, it's it's a great bike on its own. It uses artificial intelligence and you can set up an account and it'll tell you how much you sprinted last time and how much output you you can handle and kind of like ratchet it up so you you leave fatigued. And this is a this is a cool thing. I think you'll be hearing more. We all know HIT workouts, high intensity interval training. This one does rehit, reduced exercise, high intensity training. 
Uh, and what it means is that you can do these really short sprints all out because this is now going to crush your legs, not crush your legs, but make it hard to pedal. Yeah. Um, so you're working as hard as you can for a short period of time. Uh, and it has workouts that have like, you know, 15 to 60 sprints that are only, you know, maybe 10 seconds if you start doing 60 ones. But those those layers of stacking the oxygen, depleting the oxygen, stacking, depleting, really have a profound effect in getting that serum oxygen really high, as high as your body can handle, um, which then can be used for whatever your body needs it for. Uh, if, in, in chronic Lyme case, we're talking about hitting spirochetes and hopefully killing them in those joints. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I can see this um, being beneficial in so many areas. I mean, yeah. I focus on brain health, yeah. uh, dementia prevention, but that has so many layers to it. I might see somebody with chronic Lyme and mold toxicity because yeah. that impacts your brain health. But I was recently speaking to the owner of the local running store and he said, oh, I have lots of runners who do a race in Western Maryland, could they come there to prepare for the absolutely. race at high altitude? I was like, I think so. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is the other thing we were having, right? So uh, blood doping across sports is illegal, right? And that is, I'm going to take some red blood cells out, or I'm going to take a pint of blood out and save it. And then right before the race, I'm going to inject it again. So my red blood cell count goes up. Can't do that. It's cheating. Uh, Lance Armstrong knows about that. Anyway, um, with this, I'm not changing how much red blood cells, how many red blood cells are in your body. I've had professional athletes use it a day before, you know, they might go weigh in and then come and use it. And then the next day they're fighting, you know, a lot of the boxers love it uh, and they don't gas out. And, and that's a, that's an added advantage because they're not breaking the rules. And until somebody says, no, you can't do that. And I have no idea how they would do that. I mean, they'd have to draw blood and say, like, wow, your serum oxygen is off the charts or something. Um, and I don't see them ever doing that, right? So we're not adding a substance other than what somebody's breathing anyway, and how can I differentiate, right? You know, I can test if your testosterone is off the chart. I can test if you've had performance-enhancing drugs. Oxygen in your system is oxygen in your system. So, uh, yeah, I have uh, quite a few uh, boxers that do that, professional uh, fighters, too. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm also thinking uh, about my nephew who is recovered now, but when he was in high school, he was a great football player. Mm -hmm. And so in Ohio, where they don't have the same rules that we have in Maryland, he played JV and varsity, offense, defense, and special teams. Wow. So lots of hits and never yeah. really had, you know, a hit that knocked him out. But it was the repetitive hitting, and he ended up having to go to the neurologist who I think had treated Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. and said, you have the worst concussion I've ever seen. Yeah. So he had to drop out of his high-level math classes, and it wasn't until a year later that he started doing exercise. And so I love that this is like like he was going to a, a concussion clinic yeah. where they were making him like run hard on a treadmill. And and, and the idea is to get the oxygen back oxygen. to the brain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is like double duty. You're doing exercise and getting oxygen. So it would be great for any 
head injury. Yeah. And, and, and really uh, that is one of like, even for people that don't have TBI or concussion disorders or things like that, they'll report clearer thinking too, which is, which is just, you know, great. Um, You know, and, and all of this oxygen, even though it's oxidizing things is actually anti-inflammatory in this case, you know? So we have people that come in with like joint pain and stuff and they're, they're seeing that. And they're going, hey, by the way, I slept better. Hey, by the way, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm clearer in my head. Um, you know, so it's a pretty amazing machine. And I didn't realize this. I'm not sure if you said it or somebody else that came into the office. They're like, apparently you're the showcase for the Mid-Atlantic region. You know, it's like we're we're one of the few people that have this, yep. you know, and and compared to a hyperbaric, it, it is it is a fraction of the cost which is also kind of amazing, right? You know, do I want to spend 40 to $60,000 on a hyperbaric or I can get this adaptive contrast for, you know, I, I don't know what it is. It's probably more expensive now than when we bought it, but about 12 K, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even less than that. Yeah. Oh, good. Good, good. I'm glad to hear there's, that. There's a couple different levels. Yeah. So they have like a, around five, around seven and around 12, depending on, what um what goes along with the package and, and app and and what application you're trying to do it for right. i mean you can call so, them if you're an individual buying it they'll they'll guide you the right way yeah so i know that they live o2 has contracts with the professional athletes yeah. you know big, big um professional teams and college level teams and they'll come for you know, a whole room of people. So they'll line up multiple yeah. people on bikes with two concentrators per bag. And um, that's, that's the higher level yeah. bag. And, but you know, the, they'll train for a month before they go have a game in Colorado because they're going to be high altitude. They need to prep. Yeah. I, I'll say when I was ordering mine, they told me I had to wait until Kathy Ireland got hers. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, and then I Googled her and I'm like, Oh, she still looks amazing. <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's <Yeah>. great <laughs> yeah. yeah they have lots of, of pretty cool anecdotal stories on their website you know yeah um, military injuries and that be- people benefiting after brain injury and we and we see a lot of va patients too so you know they're they're starting to if we can sell them on that they see they see pretty significant improvement yeah it's kind of great so one of the other modalities that you have that mm-hmm. is more common, more well-known, but maybe people don't understand the specific benefits um, is sauna. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about sauna and infrared sauna and why that matters? Sure. sure. I, I, you know, it's, it, this is one of the crazy things to me. Like I was told, like, I always felt I was late to the game. Yeah, you know, with everything we added and people are like, no, people are just catching on. And then, you know, a few years go by and it's like, oh, shit, like every podcast is talking about sauna and red light therapy and all these other things that we do. And it's like, yeah. Um, so sauna and and the one thing that I always like love talking about an infrared sauna is a little bit different than, say, your stand, traditional or finished sauna, which is a little bit hotter. Um, you know, that's that'd be the one with the rocks in the room that sometimes people slash water on. Uh, that, that is amazing too. Uh, certainly that's been around forever and there's so many studies on that. Infrared sauna is, I think a little bit cooler, uh, you know, and, and cooler, not just in temperature, uh, cause it only goes to about 140 degrees. Uh, but the effects, right? So the traditional sauna is going to make you sweat. It's going to open up the pores from the outside. It's this heat that you feel on the outside of your body. 
infrared and, and even on my acupuncture tables, I have little jade disc mats that heat up because jade emits far infrared as well. Uh, we have a lamp that sits on top of you uh, that's infrared as well, because that heat goes into the body. And, and it's funny because they, they call the lamps chi lamps, right? Energy lamps. Um, so infrared does a few cool things where the tissue that it penetrates into, it causes your mitochondria once again to make more ATP. But in doing so, it actually causes vasodilation from the inside out, right? So we're getting circulation deep down into our body. That infrared heat signature does penetrate in uh, pretty deep, right? So, uh, you know, once again, here I am saying the word detox that I hate saying, but we can say that we we with prolonged use, with regular use, you can see a reduction in cadmium and 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 mercury coming out of the body in trace amounts. Right. So we lose that through our sweat. We lose that through uh, getting it dumped out of the liver, through the gallbladder, through the hepatic portal into the intestines. And then it comes out in our stool. Um, we also are sweating out, uh, you know, an increasing circulation through those smaller capillaries again, where we're not getting uh, the metabolic waste flush out like we'd like to. So, yes, we are detoxing in a really, uh, you know, quantifiable way. Um but that heat also reduces inflammation, we're stimulating proper energy production in that tissue, right? So we're helping repair tissue. We're killing weaker cells that our body doesn't need. Uh, and that's either they're genetically off, you know, so that's cancer tissue sometimes. And, and uh, we're also seeing, uh, and this is the craziest study. And when it came out, I went, no, that's bullshit. And then, no, it was a meta-analysis. It was a ton of studies they looked at. They said, uh, all cause mortality drops by 40%, right? So that's regular sauna users. And this is about, uh, I think it's a half an hour total or something. It's not a long time throughout a whole week, but with five sessions, uh, it's maybe it's a half an hour a session. Now I feel bad because I'm not quoting it right, but five times a week, 40% reduction in all cause mortality. That is going to be all cardiovascular diseases, heart attacks, those kind of things. And cancers, right? That is huge. Imagine spending, you know, a little bit of time taking care of yourself every day and saying you're 40% more likely to not have a heart attack. That's huge, especially for Americans. You know, uh, and that benefit, I, I, God, you know, I, I think every household should have an infrared sauna in it. And it, it simulates cardiovascular exercise. Yes, so for it's, it's a cardiovascular who, mimetic. Yeah. Yeah. It, someone who say they, they broke their leg and they can't exercise, but they can sit in a sauna and still get the same benefit. Yeah. You know, and even, even right? people that, that can move. Mm -hmm. You know, right. like I, I, I love powerlifting. I don't like running, <laughs> you know, I like sitting in a sauna for an hour, uh, you know, but within that, you know, you, you also think about like, uh, even weather conditions. Oh God, there's a blizzard. I can't go for a run. I can't go outside. All right. Well, we got something that'll take care of you. Um, you know, so it, 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 it's, it, you know, and the other thing I love about them is, and we had this discussion before we started this it, cost, they're relatively inexpensive, you know? So yes, you can buy the, the, uh, the Rolls Royce of saunas and put it in your, you know, workout suite and spend several thousand dollars on it. Or you can get one for a couple of hundred bucks. Your head pops out, you can sit and 
normally I roll this in front. Uh, I have one off on the side here, uh, right in front of where I sit and type. Uh, it's got two little pockets that zip out. You put your hands through and I can type and sit there for an hour and multitask, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that because your head sticks out, mm -hmm. you could combine modalities. Absolutely. And this is another oh. thing for those mobility patients that don't want to get on a bike or a treadmill or any kind of exercise equipment. You can stick a Live O2 mask on them. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm going to be using something called V-Lite, which is photo mm -hmm. biomodulation. Yes. Which also goes on your head. So we'll have to, we'll have to experiment. Are you getting the one with the, the nose attachment? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, we have red light therapy in our office. Uh, they're whole body panels. So I, I never pulled the trigger on the, is it, it's V light. I've been -Light. calling it Vi light forever. Oh crap. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure which one. Is the right. No, no, because I, I was also calling it live. Oh, too. Uh, oh. so yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't, don't make things homonyms when you name a company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it confuses people, but uh, it's an amazing device, right? You're, you're stimulating brain activity and that red light actually will penetrate into the brain through the skull and yeah. those meninges. Uh, and then, you know, the red light up the nose goes right through the cribriform palette. Uh, I actually have a little unit that I bought online. That's just two little red light bulbs uh, that's being sold for, for uh, allergies and where they do have some clinical studies where the red light up the nose can help reduce inflammation of the mucous membranes and cool. help reduce your allergic response. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm definitely an amateur in, in, in my understanding of red light. Um, what, it, it, it's, I, you know, look, I've been, I've been in this space. So like we opened our clinic in 2016, but I started doing research in 2014 uh, with the idea of like everything I bring in, I need to like, I need to know how it works. You know, right. and I need to be able to articulate that in a blurb that somebody that hasn't spent, you know, uh, several years looking at research can can understand. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're in a time where there's some amazing resources. There's so many amazing podcasters out there. There's so many PhDs that are on Instagram and TikTok and mm -hmm. sharing this knowledge freely, which is is kind of great. You know, um, I'm not much of the the. Like, I don't like that term biohacker so much anymore. I think it really, uh, it, it, it's become something that is almost like this alpha male, uh, like, look at me, I do this rather than, Hey, look, we can all do this and feel better and live longer and be happier. Uh, which is more about like what I want, you know, there, there seems to be a lack of community health, uh, when it comes to the biohacking movement, it's like, well, mm. I'm safe from COVID. <laughs> so screw all of you. Uh, sorry, that's a little aside. That's that's me getting on a soapbox there. But uh, you know, I want this for everybody. I want everyone to be vibrant and healthy. And 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 why? Because it makes a better yeah. society, and then I'm happier, which is yeah. pretty selfish. <laughs> but that's a good segue into your book. So oh you, my god, yeah. You you wrote a book so that you can share your knowledge with others, and everyone else can be happier and healthier. So Tell so us about your book. So, uh, yeah, so this is, this is actually my second book. My first one was, uh, a, uh, you know, kind of limping into the, the authorship field. Uh, so it's called, that one's called you got sick now, what, where I talk about seven different techniques, uh, from oriental medicine to help with colds and flus. Uh, but it, it, you know, booklet is probably uh, a more, uh, accurate term for it. It's a short little read and it's meant to be bedside and, and quick and actionable. 
if you do find yourself sick, if you have some supplies on hand beforehand. Um, but the second book is on cupping therapy and specifically how to do it at home, right? So when you come to my clinic, we do traditional fire cupping, which involves, yes, an open flame and some glass jars. Uh, it is grandma medicine. There's plenty of grandmas around the world that still do it the traditional way. And you might be getting, you know, their coffee mug <laughs> on your back. Um, don't, maybe you don't want to eat at that grandma's house, but uh, you know, at least make sure they washed. Um, but with this, there are so many new tools uh, that in Asia have been around forever. And they're, they're like, you know, you go to the Korean grocery market, a grocery store and right on the shelf, there's a little cupping kit that has a pump. But it's not so accessible if you're not of that culture and, and don't know that from growing up, right? I mean, this is passed on traditional knowledge. So I wrote a, a book about uh, home cupping, how to treat a lot of comic, uh, common conditions, as well as talking about all the different types of home cupping devices there are and the benefits and, and weaknesses of all of them and how to use all of them safely. Uh, because this is a one of the things that I love about this is, you know, we have so many things that come from a specific tradition and it's from this part of the country and, and it's cultural, right? It has a cultural connotation as well as a, you know, medical therapeutic use. Uh, and, you know, here I am a, a big, loud, uh, Long Island Italian <laughs> uh, in Oriental medicine. So I have to treat that with the respect and the expression that they have in China is when drinking water, remember the source. And the cool thing about cupping is it is so damn old and has made it through so much of the world. And we're, we're talking at least 4,000 years old in recorded history. And that goes back to the, uh, the Ebers papyrus in 1515 BC uh, or CE. I, I don't know why my editors want me to call it CE, not BC. I'm waiting to hear back why. But um <laughs> It, 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 and and it was described thoroughly by ancient Egyptian cultures in a medical text. Now, we know it must be older than that. The other thing is we know it was in South America about that long ago, too. We know that it went through the silk trade route. And, you know, we'd see photos of, of people in Africa getting it done and people in Europe getting it done. So this is almost like a shared history that, like, you know, hopefully can bring us all together. Right. Uh, I think that's a little. Uh, that's a little ambitious to say my, my little book is going to do that. But the idea that we can all be part of something that is a health practice that is safe, quick, cheap. Uh, you know, so the idea is how do we democratize health? How do we put it in the hands of everybody? How do we demonetize it? How do we make it cheaper? How do we live healthier, more robust lives by doing things at home before we get to the doctor, before we need an intervention by a healthcare professional? Right. Yeah. Don't cancel your doctor's appointments. But this technique is so safe and easy that you should be doing this at home and you should know when and how. Uh, and hopefully this book answers those questions. Well, I have to get the book because oh, we'll send you a copy when it publishes. <laughs> I've only received cupping once mm -hmm. and it was um, just kind of to experiment and see what it was like. Uh, and the question was, do you have any pain? And I, you know, I up around the neck, upper shoulders, traps, you know, that's where a lot of people carry it. Mm -hmm. So that's where she put the cups. Do you use it for things other than pain? Yeah. So, uh, digestive disorders is a big thing, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and chest congestion. So colds, flus, uh, 
COPD, uh, look, I'm not mm. saying this is scientific. It happened a few times in the 22 years I've been using it. Uh, actually, it's probably closer to 25 now. Uh, but uh, a few people with uh, antibiotic-resistant uh, chest infections have come in. You know, they were on two rounds of antibiotics, bronchitis, pneumonia wasn't breaking up. And we put uh, cups on their back and, and they go home and they cough up uh, quite a bit of garbage. And uh, all of a sudden, those antibiotics kicked in. You know, yeah. and and they cleared yeah. the infection, and that's happened a few times over the over the years. I, it's not that common. Um, you know, certainly uh, one of the other things, even if you don't have the musculoskeletal pain, is uh, just relaxation, mm -hmm. right? So it, our autonomic nervous system, which is our fight or flight, we we talk a lot about the vagus nerve, fight or flight, rest and digest, right? We, I'm sure mm -hmm. that's going to be a cornerstone of your clinic too. Right. Uh, you know, within that. We know that if we trigger one parasympathetic rest and digest function, right? This is why when we're anxious, right? Those little, they're little necklaces that, that have a little straw and you would take an inhale and you blow out through the straw. It slows your exhale. That's a rest and digest function. And what our brain does is it sees, oh, look, I'm doing this rest and digest thing. And all of those other rest and digest things fall into place. So when we do cupping, what we're doing is we're pulling the skin away from the fascia, the fascia away from the muscles, and we're creating a space to allow more blood flow, right? Mm -hmm. So when we have more blood flow, that's a sign of relaxation. So our brain goes, oh, our blood's moving more. We must be relaxed. And then we start slowing down and we start normalizing serotonin and dopamine levels. We start releasing things like oxytocin and anandamide, these feel-good neurotransmitters. Right. So people come in sometimes for cupping without, you know, like, yeah, you know, I was at work. I was sitting in front of the desk. I got a little muscle uh, tightness, but they really come in for that. Like, hey, knock me out. This is going to this is going to make me really relaxed. Uh, and, and I feel like most of our services, if we can have that happen, we know we've had a positive effect. And cupping's a big one for that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your book then. <clears throat> yeah. So. How do people find you? If if they're in Baltimore, they can look uh, at Charm City Integrative. Uh, yeah, so charmcityintegrative.com is our website. And even the new book and stuff will be tied to that website. So you'll be able to find everything there. Uh, we're all over social media. Uh, we're not super active, but CC Integrative on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have our Facebook page and all that. And uh, I have a podcast coming out. We have almost 60 episodes recorded. We still haven't launched yet, but I, I anticipate that to be in the next couple of months. And that's done with a buddy of mine called the Reverend health. And uh, we just look at uh, a lot of the BS in healthcare. And we, we also look at some things that are really fun for us. And a lot of it recently has been revolving around AI and healthcare, because I think that's going to revolutionize things. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty much out there on the internet. Cool. And what's the name of your book going to be? Uh, so tentatively, uh, the working <laughs> title uh, is The Cupping Book. <laughs> uh, because why overcomplicate things? Right. Very clear. Thank you so much for, oh, no for being here today to, to share your knowledge and your passion and, and your heart. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Tom. Oh, thank you so much for having me.